For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages to the Winners Coming Game of Thrones podcast. I'm your host, Razor, and I'm here with Corey Smith and Dan Selke, and we're here to talk about all things Game of Thrones, even though we don't really have a Game of Thrones to talk about. It's good, it's done, it's over, it's gone. Um, but we do have some interesting things coming down the pipeline. But first, Dan, you just got back from Nashville, Tennessee, where you were on panels at Con of Thrones, the premier Game of Thrones fan convention. Why, why don't you tell us about your experience there? Well, David, my experience was very positive. And it had the following themes. Um, I mean, it, it was great. It was um, it was also very nourishing, kind of. Like, look, th- th- there was a lot of uh, backlash of the season. We all know that the final season of Game of Thrones, season eight, is what we're talking about for viewers. Um, and it was just, <laughs> it was really nice to go to a place where everybody, even if they had misgivings, they were all here to celebrate the family. They all clearly loved it. You know, they were all here because they love this stuff. And I loved the cosplay. I loved the genuine interest in everything being said and talked about and people listening to me when I talk, which is always a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it was, it was a really great um, kind of uh, revitalizing fan experience where I soaked up lots of good vibes, met some really fun people, attended a lot of cool panels, you know, saw the game of Thrones stars in person, which was always fun. Uh, I took in panels with Nikolai Kostra-Waldau, Jerome Flynn, all of them together. That was a good time. Or talk on panels. I had a great time. It was hot as balls in Nashville. Holy shit, you guys. Yeah, my so cousin hot. was there. He, he's always complaining about the heat. Yeah. But our hotel was like literally like half a block from the convention center. So we just had to stay minimal time in the outdoors. But inside it was beautiful and uh, nice and cool. And the people were lovely. And the cost great panels were scintillating fascinating and i really enjoyed my time i really did it was it was it was fun i've heard that uh most people on twitter uh on social media are talking about it was generally a positive experience for everybody kind of like a recharging of the game of thrones batteries like you get through really was it totally was like i i felt i felt i felt i felt rejuvenated 
And um, it's it's part of the reason why I was a little I was a little um, perplexed when San Diego Comic Con happened a week later, and there was that whole hubbub about them not asking fan questions at the panel yeah. panel. And part of me was like, I wonder if they just underestimated the audience because fans asked all kinds of questions here of the cast members, and everything was totally cool and fine and chill. So, I mean, perhaps there were different kinds of fans. I don't know. But here it was nothing but good vibes. By the way, and, and that doesn't mean that we didn't discuss, you know, all our misgivings. It was just done in that, like, great, respectful, in-person way that you forget exists sometimes when you're just reading about stuff on Reddit and Twitter and it's all the vitriol and the hate. It was so nice to go to a place where you just... You know, because once you're in person and you're, like, talking to the people face-to-face... You can't pull that shit. <laughs> you can't be anonymous. <laughs> it's it, it, it's indecorous and horrible. So you have to like be civil, and then you just talk, and then it then you all shake it all out, and then you realize you all kind of have it, feel the same way. And it was just, uh, yeah, it was definitely a a nice recharge of the batteries. I would put it that way. Yeah, you know, uh, comparing the two conventions, like obviously San Diego Comic Con is not Game of Thrones centric. It's basically Game of Thrones gets to attend there. Um, yes, but. You know, watching watching our the winner is coming Twitter feed during uh, the Hall H panel, and people were just raging against the actors. Like they were they were mad at Conleth Hill. They were like, "Is does he know he he talked shit about season eight? Now he's praising it." And no, 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 no. he never talked shit about season eight. I know, he, I know. He, he he gave some candid opinions that people just jumped on and just twisted to their own ends. But yeah, Twitter is a steaming cesspool, and I want more followers. <laughs> I even heard people say this of in regards to uh Waldell's uh comments about he didn't understand the backlash and it was silly. He called it silly, right? They were like, um, so this is basically uh okay, NC Dove's so, gaslighting. No, not at all. Okay, also that silly comment. So <laughs> this was interesting because th- this is one of those times where you struggle with a headline to see like how truthful can I be while still being like eye grabbing <laughs> so a lot of the headlines boiled it down to Nikolai Custer Waldo calls Game of Thrones criticism kind of silly which that includes my headline that's the one I wrote the full context as it often is is more complicated that he was specifically referring to people who were lambasting David Benioff and Dan Weiss for not caring about the show or being lazy about it, saying that saying that saying that is kind of silly, given that he you know worked in close proximity for the past right. ten years and knows from a primary source that they care more about it than anybody, which of course makes perfect sense. And that, you know we all heard about how hard it was to make season eight and how hard they all worked and set up around the clock and yada yada yada. It makes zero sense to call people out for being lazy. So he was technically saying that 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 criticism is kind of silly. And then, you know, in the way that headlines work, it just kind of gets transformed into, Nikolai Costawaldo says that criticism is kind of <laughs> silly, which isn't really right. I, I also saw the same thing with um, uh, Conleth Hill's comments today about, like, Conleth Hill confirms that Varys was poisoning Daenerys. Like, when you watch <laughs> the that. panel... Like, no, that's not really what he said, but you know how these things work. They just take on a life of their own. 
Um, same thing with, I was talking to Mia Johnson today from, from Culturist, who, who was at San Diego Comic-Con, and there was a big thing going around about, like, Nikolai Costa-Waldo booed when defends Jamie Lannister. <laughs> she was like, yeah, I was literally in the room. That is not what happened. <laughs> I was going to ask about that. I didn't, I didn't hear where he was getting booed. I don't know where that came it's, from. It's, 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 I mean, we're in it. it it's the blogging culture and the way you want to, you want to be truthful, but you also want to get people to read. So it's this tightrope line you walk. And unfortunately, I mean, and look, I'm not going to say we haven't been guilty of this. Um, you take a story that, and you boil it down to a headline that is like, technically spiritually accurate sort of in the big broad sense but it leaves out some specificity or context you kind of need to understand what's really being said and of course people you know oftentimes they're not going to read the fine print they're just going to run with that so and then it just it you know it becomes viral as the kids say and it happens <laughs> it's all fascinating it's all wonderful but, but that that is so totally a thing that happens. It's a thing that happens here. And not just Game of Thrones. That happens with all kinds of stuff in, in the news today. But that's oh, probably on the purview of this podcast, I guess. Basically. I mean, yeah. Um, Nothing is beyond you. the purview of this podcast. Do you want to discuss <laughs> Mueller then? Because I'm sure the headlines about the Mueller reports were like we all over. We talk about KFC Cheeto chicken sandwiches on this podcast, okay? We this don't is, shy away from anything. This is a podcast for the people, okay? okay? In that case, it was a foolish thing to interrogate Robert Mueller like that in front of the TV. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, we're not going to go there. Um, I got to ask you. Um, I saw one of the coolest cosplays I saw from Con of Thrones was a guy walking around in an elephant costume. Uh, and I think he had... Smith, did you see this? It was on Twitter. It was a guy walking around in an elephant costume, and I think he had a Cersei doll or something. I forget what he had in his hands. Yeah, I, didn't, um, I don't was, remember the prop. It was a woman, and um, she called herself the pachyderm that was promised. Yeah! <laughs> um, we interviewed her. She was a good one. And, yeah, she, she was the elephant that Cersei didn't get. And she also was there with a little girl, I think with her daughter, who was like six years old in Lyanna Mormont garb, and it was the I cutest thing in the fucking world. So I've seen, like, last year you and Smith were there in Dallas, and I saw, like, the guy who dressed up as the wall, or I'm assuming it was the guy on the That's wall. That's pretty good, uh, yeah. uh, So what was your favorite cosplay that you saw there this year? Probably, probably the Lyanna Mormont one, honestly. It was a six-year-old in Lyanna Mormont garb, and I got her whole story. Like, she loves Lyanna Mormont. She had a Lyanna Mormont-themed birthday party um, the week before. And her mom, who was the elephant, I think, uh, like, lets her watch parts of the sh Not all of it, obviously, but she did see the animal death scene. She cried for, like, a week. Oh, it my was, God. It was Why so would cute. you let your kid watch that? I don't know. I didn't press too hard, Corey. It, was, it would be inappropriate. But, um, yeah, she was great. There was one woman who walked around. Uh, she did, a, a, like, a, a killer, like, season two Cersei look. And she had, like a Siberian husky with her the whole time named Ghost. Beautiful fucking dog. Who was nice. like the star of the show by itself. And she walked around with her all day. That was great. The one who won was I think somebody who made um the the one person who won who won the cosplay contest was a Sansa who made like the like, you know, the, her her season eight kind of armor plated look. Like Oh it, yeah like imported all these like individual like scales from Europe and like made it by hand. It was freaking remarkable. 
Um, that was amazing. I talked to Elisa Aaron, who like talked about how she imported all the silks that she like used on the show and talked to Michelle Clapham. Wow. I had to get Elisa Aaron, huh? Yeah, she she is dead on. Um, there was <laughs> there was one like Jamie Lannister who had the Infinity Gauntlet for his uh, golden hand. That was cute. I love uh, the crossover cosplays. I love those. There were there was tons of great stuff. W- w- we have a video coming in the near future. Like I, I talked to a bunch of cosplayers about just their costumes, who they were, why they chose it. Uh, yeah, there was no end of really cool stuff. Awesome. So, um, what were the panels that you were a guest on? I was uh, on three panels. I was on How Game of Thrones Changed TV Forever. I was the moderator on that one. Which, by mm. the way, that just means that like I walked in and like just started to talk a lot. It, it, it was not planned, really. Um, I was on the spinoff panel, all about Blood Moon. That was fun. Nice. And I was on a Cersei Lannister Journey's End. Just a, they had like Journey's End panels, pretty much, pretty much all the characters, like Arya, John, because it's the last season. Uh, Daenerys, Theon, all those people. I, I, I went to the Theon one. I wasn't on that one. I was on the Cersei one, and I had a blast. That was like a giant hour of standing the hell out of Cersei. Was the Theon one, everybody just kind of ha- sitting around holding hands, talking about how great Theon was in the end? I mean, more or less, I I, I didn't go to all the, the Trinity's End panels, but the two I went to, which was Cersei and Theon, they were very just complimentary and standing. Because why not? You go to to celebrate them as characters and what they've done. Right, I did right, Cersei right. impression. That was pretty fun. It's up on YouTube now. All A lot of these panels, by the way, listeners, are up on the Winners Coming YouTube page. Uh... I think we've uploaded all the ones we shot. I'm not sure. There might be a couple left. But there's a whole bevy of them to check out. And I recommend all of them, especially the ones that have me on them. That's on the YouTube.com. <laughs> That's on the YouTube.com. Uh, there's probably like a YouTube app or something like that. <laughs> um, winter is coming. Wick. Just search for it. There you uh, go. Yeah, we uploaded a mess of uh, panels. Many of them with really good audio and some of them featuring me. Awesome. So, okay, Smith, you were there last year, and um, you talked about some of your favorite panels. Um, you knew you knew what Dan was on. Which one did you find more interesting out of the ones Dan went to? I, th- I think the one about how Game of Thrones changed TV forever. Um, yeah. I mean, did you watch that? Yeah, of course. I watch everything you do, Dan. Gosh, I mean. Seriously? Oh, that's right. Uh, I mean, no, I watched that one and uh, a little bit of the other ones, but um, I don't watch Wick Live. I'll be honest. Who has time oh, yeah. for that garbage? I mean, I am at work. Yeah, you... I'm kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm I am kidding. at work, so occasionally I do have to, you know, work at the day job. Um, but no, and I think that's just a, a interesting topic. And I think, regardless of how season eight ended, it did change TV forever. I mean, look at all these shows. They're coming out now that are, you know, like, what's that show Jason Momoa's got for Apple TV? I don't oh. even know the name of that one, but yeah. Even, like here, a lot of money it's, on it's it. like one word, here or now yeah. or then or something like that. Yeah, so he's got that show. I mean, it's got a larger budget for its first season than... Wait, 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 than... wait. You mean totally C. fat? It's Super just called C. Yes, there it is, C. Um, yeah, it's got a larger budget than... Than uh, Game of Thrones used to have for some of its later seasons, and it's kind of crazy that you know it's on Apple TV. It's not even on broadcast TV. It's on a uh, a streaming network. So I mean, yeah, Game of Thrones did t- change TV no matter what. Million dollars an episode. 
Right, which is insane for a show. How to get Apple TV? Exactly. It's not even HBO. I mean, you're not talking like this is a major network. It's literally Apple TV. I thought that was just that little thing that I plugged into the side of my TV so I could listen to iTunes or whatever, you know? It's and so fascinating. So, and, and it's not the only one. The, the Mandalorian for, for Disney Plus um, has a budget in that range. And, and yeah, so it's just... Yeah, 15. Right, so it's like... Everything. Yeah, I mean, so Game of Thrones completely changed the landscape. You can't come out with, you know, some show that, that looks half-assed anymore if you want people to tune in. I mean, now they, they they literally raised the bar to the point where this is what you have to spend just out of the gate so that people will even take you seriously. So I mean, and, and hopefully have, have good writing themes too. Although we discussed this on the panel, do you think that the Game of Thrones effect where it's people are spending all this, all this lavish money on these kind of big, splashy epics is like the new normal or is this going to be a thing that flares hot and heavy for a while until not enough of these things succeed and they're going to be like exactly okay that yeah right there i think that's, that i think that's probably what we'll end up i think we're yeah, seeing a lot of it right now and not there's just odds are not all of it's going to be good oh if like you know, two or three of these catch on i will count myself lucky Right, exactly, and so well, okay. Hold on, well, check this out. So you've got The Witcher, right, from Netflix. That's coming out. That is like show. the most, the one in like the nearest future that seems to be getting a bunch of buzz, which is good. It's got, a, it... it's got a bunch of buzz, and it's Netflix's an- basically it's their answer to yes. Game of Thrones, even it, though it drops yes, in one day. It, it is a Netflix Game of Thrones. And then you've got um, Showtime's working on the King Killer Chronicle at some point, and you've right. got you got Amazon with the Lord of the Rings. And um, Wheel of Time. And Will of Time. And so, Dark Tower. There you go. All these genre shows coming out now are all probably thanks to Game of Thrones. And like oh, Corey Smith totally. said, I think this all – all it takes is for one of these big boys to flare out. Like, God, I hope this doesn't happen because I really have a lot riding for, with The Lord of the Rings. I hope it works out. But if it, flare, if it, if it busts, if it goes bust in season one, you're going to start seeing a lot of people scale back. Like, oh, oh, yeah. oh. I mean, I think it's the way it should be. I mean, honestly, the Lord of the Rings one was one of the ones that I think probably is in the most danger. I mean, I that, I, that one has no, the most pressure on it. Yeah, that one has that one has by far the most pressure. Like, if that one goes, that's on like you know that's a headline on CNN. You know, if, if Lord of the Rings show gets canceled by Amazon, whereas like for example, Momoa's show. If that gets canceled, nobody, you know what I mean? It just doesn't have the brand. Sure. Nobody will even know if that show gets canceled. <laughs> right. And and I, I mean, I don't mean to denigrate Momoa because I love that guy and I'm slightly afraid of him. Um, but, you know, yeah, the, the Lord of the Rings one is the one where if that one doesn't succeed, then I think that one can have a bigger effect on the overall industry than some of the other ones if they, you know, necessarily aren't as yeah, good. Yeah, probably. So... Yeah, and it's... That Lord of the Rings. If the Lord of the Rings fails, that's somebody high up. That's a VP or a uh, somebody an exec getting fired. You're gonna hear that. <laughs> Jeff Bezos comes down and fires somebody personally for that one. I mean, honestly, I, I mean, and 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 that one is giving off warning signs to me, like red flags to me. Like you know, they didn't know if it was gonna be Aragorn, and then they decided, okay, we'll, we'll do the Second Age. I mean, that that's not confirmed. That's me wildly speculating, but it seemed like that. 
right. they, like brought in people kind of late in the game, like Brian Cogman, while they were already kind of getting up to speed. Um, you know, uh, according to the terms of the deal, they like had had to make somebody like before X number of years passed, or the deal was kaput. So like all of these things like make me nervous about that one in particular. I yeah. think they should have doubled down Wheel of Time, honestly. That would have been a better bet. Well, and you have both both shows have huge built-in fan bases. And yes. Lord of the Rings is probably larger than Wheel of Time. Although I've not dipped into Wheel of Time that much. I'm about to start pretty soon. But um, Lord of the Rings, because of the movies, because of the fact that Tolkien's basically the grandfather of all fantasy genres, that's basically has the biggest set up for failure if it does and then in the the fan base is not going to forgive <laughs> if you, like Cogman, you know they're already they're already afraid of Cogman coming on and being lore master for the show like that's that's people are worried about that already really i mean i thought it was did a pretty good job in game of thrones i did too but you know how people are anyway um so yeah so that's i'm i'm glad that you got to go to con of thrones and uh it was a good time fun. man that's awesome. i wish i could have gone i i you know i think that that's got to be the best environment for a Game of Thrones fan. Totally. You know, um, because the people that are going to go there are only the people that just mega love the show, you know? Yeah. So, you know, oh, I, like, I would like to see at Con of Thrones. I would like to see Corey Phone on a panel on Con of Thrones. He would be, um, yeah, entertaining. <laughs> Corey Phone just joined us, by the way, everybody. So say hello to Corey Phone while you're listening to home. Um, what's so, going on, phone? Not much. Uh, sorry I'm late. Just got a lot going on, and just glad I'm able to get on with you guys. Yeah. Yeah, man. So let's okay. Let's move on from Con of Thrones, and let's talk about a little bit of news that hit this afternoon, late this afternoon. Apparently, Casey Bloys announced, or didn't really announce. I guess he kind of mentioned it, Smith, that uh, Blood Moon, the Game of Thrones prequel, has finished filming the pilot episode now we're just waiting oh. on hbo to i don't know i guess hbo is going to decide if they're going to green green light this series uh dan i gotta ask you do you think the series is already greenlit and we're just waiting for an official announcement no i don't think they would unless they i don't think they would bother filming the pilot um, unless they wanted to go through a pilot process I'm more mad that I'm hearing about this just now. Why is it not on the site yet? Where's the link? Send me a link. I just heard about it when I got on to I, get on the podcast. I saw Corey Smith. It's your fault. Hey, listen. I have other obligations other than WIC 24-7. Um, no. Your job is- I hate to break it to you. Um, but, yeah, no, he's, he was at the, the TCA, the uh, Television Correspondence Association. Whatever. Letters. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. He was talking, and um, yeah, he said it, that it just wrapped, um, and that everything he's seen so far looks really great. He's really proud of the cast, and they, you know, are gonna decide about whether or not to book it to a full series. So um, it seems pretty quick, but I guess you know they were only filming one episode. Um, so I guess, you know, maybe not that quick, but we did, you know, they were filming um, off of the coast of Italy um, a lot. And then the re- basically the rest of it was in Northern Ireland. So they basically only filmed in two different spots um, from what we can tell, right? Northern Ireland, uh, Belfast, uh, for the at Titanic Studios and then in Italy, correct, Dan? Yeah. 
Uh, yes, I'm. Dan is furiously typing up the report right now for the site. <laughs> um, That's the kind of professionalism you guys have missed since we haven't been on air with the Pixel Black Podcast. Yeah, so I mean, it's interesting. I, I, I always, I think it's. I, I don't know why they didn't go to full series. I, the, the only thing I can think is that that the concept of what they're doing is so far different from the original show that at least somebody in the room is kind of like, hold on, we need to like see if this works first. Um, well, and- we could we could quickly mention things we've seen from filming, right? We've seen we've seen from uh, Titanic Studios the big weirwood tree, so we know. It's got a strong northern, uh, northern north, north of Westeros storyline, correct? And then we've got uh, the one in Italy looked like they were we kind of presumed assumed. I'm sorry, they were filming scenes for Castle Rock there, and we saw that picture of that boat out in the water that had a weird sigil on it. Some people said it was House Stark. I don't think it looked like House Stark. You and I did the Wick forensics on it. We didn't think it looked like a direwolf, but it could have been. So I mean, there's a lot going on there and I, I hope it works and out. Naomi Watts Naomi Watts costume was pretty yeah, wild. That it was like, very like Athenian, like very yes. Greek looking. Um and her hair was real big and it just it I don't it, it seemed really out of place to me considering it's five thousand years before. But I mean clearly we we haven't connected all the dots yet, right? So um, but yeah, I mean, we've got some pretty clear shots of a, of a lot of stuff, which is kind of surprising. It was like, it's like whoever was doing security on Game of Thrones is not doing security on Blood Moon. And, um, cause we had that, you know, that picture of Naomi Watts walking through the streets in full costume. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's just weird, um, that they didn't green light it. Let's ask our, uh, resident, um, Cash fan, Corey Phone. Phone, are you interested in the Blood Moon right now? Or do you even care about it right now? Blood Moon, is that like a Twilight sequel? <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. Totally. Nailed it. No, I I'm a casual I'm a little more in the casual fan, but I also like yes, the cast looks great. I'm sure that I will check it out when it comes out, but we are so far away from it. You know, I I can tell you that one thing that they may be doing but even though I kind of agree that they're almost assuredly going to greenlight it because <laughs> right. you don't cast the people that they cast those names. I mean, to me, it's, it would be strange if HBO, it would have to be a disaster for them not to, to greenlight it. But I think that they're kind of letting, you know, the dust settle after the game of Thrones. I'm not even talking about the quality. I'm not talking about fan blowback or anything. Just like, you know, game of Thrones was a big adventure. It was a big dedication for a lot of fans. And let's, Let's take a break. Let's let fans, you know, take a nap before we start doing more in that universe because HBO has a lot of things out there. They have a lot of stuff in the in the queue. So there's no need to rush, I don't think necessarily Blood Moon. Uh you can wait a year or so and then have it come out to really really build that hype back up for it. Um cuz I mean like I said HBO's got a lot going on. And, you know, the world's I mean even look at Marvel Marvel's taking a break after in after Spider-Man and Endgame you know they there's there's a big gap like sometimes you just got to let people bask in the finale the finale yeah, Star Wars this. Star Wars is taking a break until 2022 I believe so yeah people are taking time off from the big genre shows yeah. that are coming up. well they're going to I think I, I read that 
they're giving. Never mind. I'm not gonna make a joke. I, just, I don't want to be. A joke. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was I just gonna it. say though. I mean, it does. If they did, the only thing, yeah, I think they just are taking their time, and because even if they greenlit it, right? They they got the pilot in the can. Even if they greenlit, it's gonna be another year before they can complete a season, right? Mm-hmm. Which would then, which would six months. Well, I mean. They'd have to. They're gonna have to write the rest of the season. I'm sure they have outlines, but they're gonna have to write scripts and then film. And I mean, the earliest if they rushed shit would be next spring. So, and then again, then you'd be, you know, only a year apart. I think they're gonna go more for like a two year break. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter basically guess 2021. Like, uh, you know, like Bone mentioned, HBO's got a pretty large lineup going right now, and I think they stacked the deck on purpose. Once the game yeah, because when does when does Westworld three come out? Next year. Yeah, so I mean, they're gonna le- let West Westworld have its, you know, what I mean, be its big spring show, and then you know maybe we get Blood Moon in the fall. Um, well, see, I don't fa- think HBO necessarily follows that that thing, that same guideline anymore. Look at um what they've got lined up for the rest of this year. We're already heading into the back half of this year, and we've got Watchmen and His Dark Materials that are coming up. And those are going to be two pretty big uh, shows for HBO. And can, can I ask a question yeah. about about this, since we're talking kind of non-Game of Thronesy things at the moment? Because mm-hmm. uh, all three of you guys, I'm assuming, are the kind of people that have read these fantasy, like like His Dark Materials, maybe. and I have. Lord of the Rings. I mean, I've even read Lord of the Rings, yeah. but uh, you know, I hmm. Do you think that the fantasy genre, the success of Game of Thrones, was is it is it recreatable or was it more of a one off in the sense that it was just right place, right time kind of entertainment? Because we, we should were mention that. Literally talking about this. Ah, okay. so I'm so sorry. I, oh no, no, no it's not as far. It's just. Like, life gives you coincidences. Right. Um, what a quinky bink. Probably not. I mean, uh, uh, no. I, 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 we were saying that I, there are so many fantasy shows that are big and huge being readied. Most of them are probably going to fail. Yeah. Like, I think, I'm sure a couple will find their audiences and last until the end. Um... But no, the, the, no, the, 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 there's just no way most or all or even some of them can like get the Game of Thrones success that you know studios are hoping for. There's just no way. Um, however, I mean, if, if a few are really good, I think it will be worth it. Like His Dark Materials, done by HBO, that could be excellent. Like those are really good books. HBO is, you know, committed to quality, more or less. Um, so I'm looking forward to that one in particular, uh, and The Witcher looks pretty good too. But no, I, I, I'm expecting like a four to five year blast of these big fantasy properties, and it's going to be high times for people like me who like this kind of stuff. But no, like th- this this boom will end um, when when the studios realize that oh, n- not all of this stuff can be as big as Game of Thrones was. And then we'll move on to the next thing, uh, which might be a return to the Friends-like multi-camera sitcom. That's what I'm predicting. Mm, that's interesting. I, I mean, think with the success of Friends on Netflix has shown that like there is a market for that. Uh-huh. But I also think that Friends – I mean, Friends kind of 
There's was, a nostalgia factor there too. Well, not just that. Like it's it's funny you say Friends because uh, you know Friends was kind of the last show before people got people in mass started getting satellite TV and all and. and and all these different options. And so, like, you've seen shows since Friends and Seinfeld, that era, like, get less and less. Like, comparing the biggest comedy of my, like, high school, early college career was Big Bang Theory. Even though I wasn't a fan, it was huge. And the the ratings on it were laughably lower than Friends or Seinfeld or MASH or whatever, right? So, like, Friends was kind of, yeah, The Office. Yeah, even the good ones didn't get... You know, the office and Parks and Rec and community were always on the chopping block, you know. So um, I I think that Friends is interesting to compare to Game of Thrones in that regard because it might have been the last Destination Network comedy that, like, everybody watched. Right. And it lasted into the age of satellite TV like Dish and everything right. else and, and DVR and TiVo and everything. And, like, people have been talking about Game of Thrones being the last, maybe the last ever destination television show so and, and the and the the hold that friends still has on the generation that totally missed it you know right like, right i think game of thrones could potentially be that way as well i really think that especially those first like five four seasons you know were so good that that you can really just i think that's that's going to stand the test of time so i'm interested in that in the future too and that's a um, really good point that's a really good point because now that game of thrones is over Look at all the streaming services that are that are starting or have just started in the past year or so. You've got even even HBO that now belongs to AT and T. They're going with the stupid name of HBO Max, <laughs> and ironically, Friends is going to HBO Max, by the way, from Netflix. And then you've got you've got you know Disney Plus, you've got Netflix, you've got Amazon Prime, you got um, CISO. Oh wait, that's already died. <laughs> Yahoo uh, Screen. Oh wait, that's gone. Apple TV. Uh, so, um. <laughs> You know, the the age of the streaming giant, um, we're we're definitely in that age now. It just depends on Dan and I have talked about this before. But like, that's a bubble too, though. Like, I'm not yeah. sure all those yeah. streaming services will last. I mean, some of them, like Disney Plus, like they're, they're it's a too big to fail situation. I think mm-hmm. with they'll, they'll just they'll just will themselves into ubiquity with their giant chest of money <laughs> and content. But, I mean, I don't think all of them are going to be able to be hits. Well, Dan, think about this. DC Universe came out last year, and already HBO Max is undercutting it with their own WB DC comic content. Right. And it's like DC Universe was supposed to be the end-all, be-all place for, you know, DC stuff, and now it's going to other places. And it's like, okay, so this doesn't really make sense. I'm not going to get DC Universe. I don't care if I like Titans or whatever the new show is coming out. I don't care. I'm just going to wait until – it hits HBO Max, you know, or whatever. So, you, you know, they're all going to be – you and I have talked about this before. Eventually, there's going to be one or two enormous, massive world-eater streaming giants, <laughs> and they're going to duke it out. It will probably be but, Disney. And like, Disney bought Hulu, didn't they? Like it's only a matter of time Disney before – yeah, They bought 33, I think, percent. Of Hulu. Well, yeah. no, they already oh, – yeah. but, they, but they already owned – 33 yeah. percent before oh, that okay so now and they now, have a majority stake so like correct. that thing got borrowed time maybe well yeah because the other thing is is i guess i think it's comcast to own the remaining percentage and they've already agreed to sell their remaining shares to disney and like in two years so yeah basically eventually hulu will get folded into disney into plus. disney plus right because why have 
Why would you have two competing streaming services? So at what point does the government step in <laughs> on Disney? I'm not joking. Like that uh, is... No, and I'm not joking in this environment where there's a lot of the stuff going on. I don't know if the government does that kind of thing anymore. Yeah. The last time that a the last time that a major that I can think of that a major like Microsoft, right? Was like that was the last one I could think of that was a, a household name type, you know, tr- basically trust busting or whatever. Um <laughs> but that's yeah, I I don't know. I mean, the mouse has I saw a tweet where like 60% of the movies in the top like 6 of the 10 movies in the top of the box office are Disney properties. Yeah. And it's like that's I mean, not that's not okay. <laughs> I think we could really use a, another trust busting era. Like we, we we haven't had one in a while. Um I don't yeah, think but, the but people how, in charge now have any interest, but I mean, I don't know, who knows? What happens in 2020, we'll see. Yeah, but back to to Thone's point, I mean, is it Disney's fault that everybody else is making shitty movies? I it's mean, not. The, but it, you know what I mean? Yeah, like it, it, it doesn't mean that what Disney's doing isn't anti-competitive in the end and bad for the industry as a whole in the long run. I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. And obviously, smarter people than us yeah. will decide this. But um, I mean, is it Disney's fault that you know Warner Brothers decides to make Suicide Squad? Thank you. Know you. What I mean? Like that—that that was not... that was Disney's biggest. That was Disney's biggest competitor back in the day. It was supposed to be DC versus Marvel, and DC fucked up by going back and back and back and messing up with the movies and messing up with their canon, and the MCU pushed forward. And right. And so, I mean, is that Disney's fault that their movies are are great, or no. is it you know what I mean, or is it the fact that everybody else is just like not very good at their jobs? I mean, I don't know. Okay. Where do you, where do you they draw the line? I guess they wouldn't be point. punished for making good movies. They'd be punished for making all the movies. All the movies. <laughs> Fair We're enough, not punished, but... rather broken up. I mean, I I do believe um, in antitrust law. I, I think it has a, a place in American society. We haven't used it for a while because there hasn't really been the will. But if yeah, if but I mean, is, eventually you'll... I'd be behind it. I think eventually you'll get to the point where you've got probably, you know, everybody's having their own streaming service. I think eventually you get down to it's going to be probably Netflix, Disney, and Amazon. And everybody else will get gobbled up by someone else. But, I mean, if you have three different companies, that's just, I mean, how can you argue that one of them has a, you know what I mean? I wish I knew more about how they solved this problem back when there was vertical integration in the old movie days, in like the 40s, 50s, and 60s. But we should probably look it up later and reconvene, because That's right true. now I shoot in the dark. We are we are in the weeds right now. Um, I so, told you nothing was above this podcast, okay? That's true. That's true. That was the most like intellectual conversation we've had on this podcast. So I, <laughs> now everything now like, like, hey, let's stop. Hold on, stop, oh, stop, oh, stop. We got to oh. go to something else. Did anybody about... see the Jay and Silent Bob reboot trailer? God, Snoochie that Boochies. That's, that, that's something. Yeah, it really did look really bad. Yes, it did. I gotta say, man, it, let's just do this really quick. We're still in the Beyond the Wall section of Pick the Black tonight. <laughs> let's let's talk about Embrace our favorite it. our favorite trailers from uh, San Diego Comic Con. Like, there were some great trailers, and there were some really really bad. I think my favorite had to be Cats. Like, I cannot wait to see oh, that. Oh yeah. <laughs> Cheryl wrote a whole on Winter.net wrote a whole thing like of all the trailers that came out, like which ones were the best, which ones were the worst. Let's pull that up. Yes, Cats was one of my favorite too. 
God, how scary! How scary was that catch? Like, I don't know who's who thought that was a good idea, but that was just awful. That was terrible. Dan, you are a big cats fan. What are you big cats fan? You said you saw that what six times when I was a kid. I was taken to cats a bunch. I've seen. I know cats. I've seen it. I'm not like I'm not a cats fan. I'm not a meowster, whatever they call themselves. Can I, just, can I just say, I, because of that trailer, uh, among other things, I found out that the cat Richter that Jason Derulo plays is named Rum Tum Tugger. Yeah, Rum Tum Tugger, and that's when I knew that that play was invented in a different timeline <laughs> and was somehow transported over here. Because it, uh, the fact that it exists is, I, I feel like a joke. Like that, that was, uh, you know, how you see sometimes you see like, I mean, hell, this happened with like, you know, Marvel. They they release a trailer, uh, and, and the CG is just not quite done yet. But and you can kind of tell it doesn't look polished, right? That you mean Sonic? Yeah, Sonic's a fine Sonic's a good example. I I would watch Sonic ten times before I watch Cats, but uh, <laughs> I. The catch trailer was not unfinished. <laughs> that was <laughs> definitely finished. They were someone different, a director, producers, like the studio. They all watched that and went, hell yeah, let's start the buzz for this Christmas release early in July. Let's break let's... the internet. <laughs> and they did. Like a cat pushes something off a table. They broke the internet. <laughs> I don't know if the Rum Tum Tugger, because you know, cats... The songs are all based on poems by T.S. Eliot. Thank you. Yeah. Or was it E.E. E. Cummings? One of them. T.S. Eliot, I think. I don't know if he did the Rum Tum Tugger one. Probably not. I don't know. I, I had to read a handful of T.S. Eliot poems when I was in high school, and I really enjoyed them. So when I found out that Cats was based off his work, I was like, <laughs> which ones? Because I don't feel like I don't feel like this matches up with what I read. But Oh, no. I just... The the director of Cats, Tom Hooper, who has yeah. done some stuff, yeah, is Hooper's also directing great. his his Dark Materials, the oh, TV shit. show. Kind of scared now. Kind of worried. Is the polar bear's name like Cold Snow <laughs> Hugger or something? <laughs> My favorite cat was McCavity when I was a kid. You can take that and use it how you will. McCavity. McCavity. He is the thief cat, as I recall. Also, if Jennifer Hudson is playing Grizabella, who is Judy Dench playing? Okay. Okay, by the way, Dame Judy Dench looked the worst out of all of them. Besides, maybe maybe Jennifer Hudson looked terrible in her song. Judy Dench looked terrible the entire trailer. And and I love her, and that's terrible that she looks so bad. And then, of course, uh, Sarah, everybody knows Sarah, has been our guest on our podcast, has some hilarious takes on James Gordon. Uh, Gordon oh, right, he's in it too, isn't he? Okay. Yeah. yeah, well, you, had, you both had James Gordon and Rebel Wilson doing – like they're Which are basically inter- interchangeable at this point. Yeah, their shtick that they they do in all the movies, and I was like, that doesn't feel because like I know that cats, like I don't know, I don't know much about cats, both cats. the an- the animal or the play, <laughs> but I really don't think Rebel Wilson shenaniganery was like something that would fit into it. But maybe I'm wrong. You mean anyway. the whole the whole hey, I'm fat, I'm gonna fall on things and hurt myself. Laugh at me. Yeah, like the the worst, like the worst of Chris Farley is like the all Chris that that Farley, is. The Chris Farley shtick, yeah, yeah, the like I late guess. late late stage Farley. I'd say Rebel Wilson would probably play 
oh, what the fuck was her name? The lazy one. I forget her name. And Ian McKellen will play Gus the theater cat. This is my cat's knowledge being really useful on this podcast. Is Ian McKellen in this movie? Yeah, yeah and, and Idris Elba. Oh my god, why? Anyway, the actual answer to the trailer question is, his dark materials I liked. The Witcher, because I'm reading those books, I think it looked pretty interesting. Um, it, Chapter 2, doesn't like that. Oh, and yeah. I, I realized that folks who just... I've never seen Star Trek, but Picard is getting a lot of good buzz. Picard uh, looked really good. Yeah, that trailer looked pretty damn amazing. Um, that was the one I was most excited for, trailer-wise. There's a lot of other news that came out, like the Blade reboot, um, the Black Widow movie. Hold hold up, hold up. Don't lie. Don't lie. First of all, we have two hot, two opposing hot takes on this podcast. One hot take is I love the Maverick trailer. The other hot take. Okay, hold on, hold on. Fuck, I forgot the Maverick trailer. The Maverick trailer was my favorite one. I literally almost shit my pants. I had to go take a break. Maverick was by far the most exciting trailer. (laughs) Corey Phone in three, two. Top Gun sucks. <laughs> Who the fuck invited this guy? Sorry, he's that I have eyes. Like it's it's such a bad movie, and it is it is like objectively bad. Like you can watch it through nostalgia lenses, like I watch The Goonies, which is objectively a bad movie, but and enjoy it. But you can't sit there and say, "Look at how good Top Gun is," because it is not. And I, I honestly don't think I've ever been able to sit through a complete sitting of Top Gun. I've seen the movie, but it's only in like way it's like in shifts. Like it's just so bad. It is, oh, it's bad, guys. Okay, Are you okay. Fucking communist. What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, it's funny you say I that know. because like that movie is just pure propaganda. Anyway. Yes, and it's awesome. And it's awesome. <laughs> It is the okay. most awesome thing in the world. You understand that movie was in my parents' divorce hearing, okay? <laughs> what do you this mean? movie is interwoven in the fabric of my life, and I fucking love it. You have I'm to hear the story. Corey Smith, I, I, bequeath, I, I let you know. You have, I've given you time to tell the story. Tell the story. Okay, well, please, I just, you know, hope my parents don't ever listen to this podcast. No one listens to this podcast. No one listens so anyway, so I can, yeah. <laughs> But when they, I mean, because when they got divorced around the time that Top Gun came out on VHS, which tells you it was a long time ago. Um, and I guess one of the arguments my dad used that my mom was an unfit parent was that she let us watch Top Gun because <laughs> of that that um, shadow sex scene between Tom Cruise and Kelly McGillis. Right? You got her name? <laughs> so, um, yeah, so, and I'm pretty sure my dad was the one who rented the movie, but anyways. Um, plot twist. Plot twist, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so this movie has always been one of my all-time favorite movies. I understand it's corny. I understand it's propaganda, but the movie's just fun. I love it. I love Tom Cruise. He's a little crazy in real life, but he makes pretty damn good movies, and I am psyched for the fucking Top Gun all right, sequel. All right. Some real- things you get attached to when you're a child, and it's just irrational, and it just binds to your DNA. Like Dan with different. cats. Yeah, with, I like- don't like cats. I realize it's not good. I've seen it on stage multiple, t- more like more than twice. But I was mostly a kid. I've never seen Top Gun. 
I've never seen Star Trek Next Generation. I have seen Cats on stage more than twice. All right, well, this is the real question I need you guys to answer. Uh, Top Gun or Iron Eagle? Are you fucking kidding me? That's not even close. <laughs> I, I literally just almost choked on my beer. How is that going to be important to him? Iron Eagle is a is a spinoff. It's, it's, it's like a, not a spinoff, but like a... Ripoff? Ripoff, yeah, there you go. It's I a knew, ripoff. Of like uh, started. Uh, it's a God. pastiche, if you will. <laughs> I knew that would get you started, Smith. <laughs> like I'm not already started, but anyways... I did think the Picard uh, trailer looked very, very good, and I definitely will. I I didn't get what's it called CBS All Access, whatever. All Access, yeah. Yeah, I didn't get that for Discovery, even though I heard it's good. But I definitely will be picking it up for Picard. Cheryl uh, today said she would get it for Picard, so I, yes. I bet they'll pick up a few extra people with that. Yeah, I'll I definitely be picking Discovery's it up. Discovery's really Picard. good. Discovery's a really, really good show, and it's, it's worth watching the two seasons that are already out to get caught up in there. Yeah, and I and I, I'm, I've heard it's good. I just it wasn't enough for me to get a whole another freaking streaming service and login information and forgetting my fucking password and all that shit. Um, but Picard, I'll go through all that because that trailer looked looked pretty good. It had a couple of returning people from uh, Next Generation, uh, the one girl from Voyager. Um, so seven of nine, yeah, seven of nine. So I'm definitely intrigued. I think it looked looked very good um, to see Picard kind of after he's out of Starfleet. So yeah, I mean those were those were my favorite ones. I was definitely also excited about the Blade reboot. I think uh, Mahashala Ali for Blade is so yes. such a good choice. Thank Such you. a really good choice. Yeah, and I think that'll be a lot of fun whenever that comes out. I mean, I think it's two, three years down the road, but it better um, be R-rated. It yeah, it better be R-rated. I think it will be. I well, think it I will. Don't know. I think if 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 Marvel is try if Marvel like wants this crazy money train to continue, they got to diversify a little bit. They can't all be PG thirteen romps. I think right. it would behoove them to well, put an Kevin R-rated Fike, cap on their Kevin, feather. Kevin Feige's already said that Deadpool's coming in as R-rated, and they might yeah. introduce him with uh, the next Spider-Man movie, which will be three or four years down the line. But it will be Ryan Reynolds, and it will be R-rated. So, yeah, I, and Man, I think you, so I think awesome. you can have yeah, I think you can have both. I don't understand why you have to. They can't be, you know, exist together. And well, yeah, if to kind of to kind of pivot into what Corey's saying and also give my answers since Smith's taking so long with his wholehearted defense of Top Gun. I'll put it up, okay? The thing, the two things I was most excited about, one was seeing that Marvel Disney, even though, you know, trust busting, <laughs> even though all that, they, they, they really look like they're about to start taking some risks with right. spinoffs yeah. and stuff. And I, the Eternals? It's, it's, it's every not just that. I mean, making Love but yeah, the, the Eternals looks great. But I'm talking about like Doctor Strange and Wanda's thing that's going to be kind of like a horror movie almost. Apparently, like a psychological right. horror. Oh movie. yeah, yeah, and yeah. You're, you know, you're going to have uh, on their Bradley TV Portman channel is Thor. Yeah, you. I mean, it's like you have cosmic. They're spinning and they're like taking these risks, and I really want them because you know I'm a big Star Wars nerd, and whenever. Disney bought Star Wars, I was really excited at the prospect of, of the one-off movies. I was like, I don't really care about the trilogy because I know they're just going to do Skywalker crap, which is the opposite of what I wanted them to do. But I'm excited at the prospect of like, hey, we've got you know a, a decent budget here. Uh, 
everybody just pitched scripts to us and like have writer director, you know, Spike Jones pitched this, you know, <laughs> he pitched Seven Samurai, but with, uh, you know, with, with, with Jedi on one planet, there's no space travel. It's all just here, you know, and, and it's like, ah, oh, we picked Spike Jones. Here's a budget, make a movie. See you in a year. And like, <laughs> I was very excited that they would do that. You know, hey, let's let's poach one of those directors from A twenty four and give them fifty million dollars and have them make a psychological, you know, movie in the Star Wars universe. But they haven't done that. Nope. And now to see Marvel is branching out into that, I'm hopeful that maybe they go. You know, Disney or I'm sorry, Star Wars has a huge expanded universe that has so many stories you could pull off of. Let's have some fun with that. So I, it's more about the prospect of the success. I hope they have with the weird ones <laughs> so that <laughs> we can start getting more weird ones. And then the Rick and Morty trailer, which you guys neglected, but we got, well, obviously Ta- I knew you would like that. Yeah. Taika Waititi is a cameo in it, which is amazing. And we got a great one liner from Morty uh, yelling at his dad. Anytime Morty yells at his parents is, is probably my favorite parts of the show. So <laughs> it, it gave me one of those. I'm very excited for Rick and Morty uh, excited. They finally got that deal done. 70 some odd episodes yeah. coming in the next few years um and and the best part is when that's guaranteed you know the way that that Royland and Harmon work it seems now that they know exactly how many episodes they have guaranteed I'm I'm assuming we're going to see the type of long-reaching story arcs and stuff that we haven't really seen in American cartoons before so I think the reason it was neglected was because it wasn't a trailer but a clip it's a so clip that's, that's true it's 100% a clip well, I will say Cheryl did watch it, and she was not a fan. Um, I love Rick and Morty. I, 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 I do. I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, too. I love that show. There are people out there who don't like it because of just the kind of the douchey aura it gives off in some quarters. So I can understand that, but I'm, I'm also psyched about it and the Sophie episodes. I think it's the fandom that kind of repels some people, the whole yeah. sexual sauce thing. <laughs> But I I was I was impressed by HBO's um, offering. Wait, to, it, Watchmen looked great. Watchmen looked amazing. The fact that they're bringing in the characters from the the original graphic novel and reaching back to like the the in universe stories, like the Minutemen stories, where you had the Hangman and all those guys, like those. Yeah, that, exactly. Yeah. Like you know, and then of course you had you know Doctor Doctor Manhattan at the very end, and for the, for the longest time. You know, Dan, you you and I covered this from the beginning, and it's like we didn't think that any of the original characters, except for Ozymandias, was going to be in this. And we've got all these all these old original characters, even showing up in in universe movies or in universe shows, or you're going to have like the actual characters themselves pop up. And like to show Doctor Manhattan on Mars and to have that that song playing, they did a really good job. And um, of course, I was impressed by Westworld three. Like I really. I'm excited to see what they do with that. Like they've got a lot to prove to the fan, the fandom. If they want to be the next, you know, the next flagship series for HBO, they're going to have to make up for the convoluted story they did in season two. Even though I enjoyed season two, I can see why people didn't. Um, and it looks like they they're going to course correct in season three, at least from the trailer. It looked like that. Hang so, on, calling it course correction is not true. They are doing a full on pivot away from okay yeah that's fair everything about last season that like like they even though last season was convoluted if they are able to stick season three's landing we'll be able to look back at it and just kind of understand that they were pretty much 
ending a lot of those storylines. Like they were like, a lot of these characters aren't going to work in where we want to take the show. And I feel like they, they had a hard time deciding how to get rid of them. Maybe, which might explain mm-hmm. some of the stuff. Uh, well, yeah, of course. Like I was, I was happy that we saw Ed Harris's character, the, uh, the man in black. He was, he was in there. Like he's stuck in that room where he gets the fidelity test and it's like all broken down. Like, uh, Dalas's room was whenever he was giving him the fidelity test, you know, and he looks up at the ceiling and the blood drops on his forehead. So at some point, Bernard goes back to the actual Westworld park. And I'm assuming to get Peter Abernathy. But... I, that's what I thought too. Oh, but you, they should, you know, they, they have. But this butt. is this is for I don't know for Smith. I think Smith's actually he's not even going to watch. For me, this is their chance to keep me watching because I really did not like season two except for. The Akichitai episode, which I think might be the best episode of the whole damn series. Beautiful. I like the one with uh with James Dalos kind of. Yeah, those those scenes. Good. Yeah, I agree with those. Those scenes were there were a lot of cool scenes. I just didn't like the season as a whole. I, I oh, totally felt, no. felt like they were lost. And if if it turns out they were lost because you know the, the the direction that they were taking the show and where they were it was kind of like a, a george r. r martin moment where it's like uh everyone's on different continents and i need them to be here now and so <laughs> like that's tough so whatever but they I'm, they're, I'm they're, they're, they're definitely uh they, they're repiloting for season three i think is definitely the right move someone called it westworld ghost in the shell and i was like yeah that, that fits. So. <laughs> okay um Let's let's talk about our last fun topic for the evening. Uh, let's talk about Game of Thrones at the Emmys, and we don't have to keep it to Game of Thrones, but like the Emmy Awards, the nominations came out a couple weeks ago, two weeks ago, I guess now, and um, Game of Thrones is having its last hurrah, and I'm not sure that putting up some of those episode choices and some of the actors in the positions they did. Is going to win, Dan. Thoughts? Disagree. Um, I was talking about this with, with Cheryl on Wick Club today. Look, uh, the this is easily the most contentious, controversial, least universally well liked season of Game of Thrones, and it got more Emmy nominations than any season before, even indeed any drama or any show before in one year. This is the record: three nominations. Most nominations for any show in one year ever. The Emmys have never and are not about how good a show is. That's true for the Oscars. That's true for any award show. It has never been about the quality. It is about the politics. It is about the marketing. It is about the momentum. It is about honoring a body of work. It is about who rises at what time. It is about perception. It is about the voters. The quality is like like fifth on the list. Not to say the season wasn't great and had wonderful high points, but if if your argument is that they're not going to vote for it because it wasn't as good as the past, I that's I think that's like ninth on the list of considerations people make when voting for who wins an Emmy. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm talking I'm talking and Smith. I'll let you jump in here in a second, but I'm talking like. Kid Harrington for lead actor. Don't get me wrong. Eh, maybe not him. Fine. Don't get me wrong. I love Kid Harrington. I love that he did such a great job with Jon Snow, but he wasn't given the material in season eight 
In my okay, opinion. Okay, fine. Like that one, they might not vote him in. But I could see them giving it to Amelia Clark. I could see them. I, I mean, do yeah. you realize in the Best Supporting Actress category, four out of the six nominees are Game of Thrones actresses? Yeah, yeah. I mean, a, a big part of it is momentum. I, I think people want to honor everything the show's done for the industry. I mean, this is an industry event at the end of the day. Um, it's not like it's a popularity contest. It's Well, actually, it is. It kind of is. Not, <laughs> Smith, you have, you have some thoughts. Not, not a fan. It, no, it's, I, fan I was gonna... liking is different than inside industry um, choices. I was just going to say, to Dan's point, I mean, and sort of piggybacking on what you said with Kit Harrington, I mean, Lena Headey being nominated for Best Supporting Actress that's that's a legacy nomination there because yeah she had like two scenes right and and one of the biggest problems with season eight was that she wasn't a big part of it right that was that was a huge issue because she's an incredible actress and I don't mean to say that she you know it doesn't deserve an Emmy nomination but if you were going to nominate her for a season it shouldn't be season eight um, so yeah I mean to Dan's point this is more about the popularity of the show, sort of uh, recognition of the body of the work and not necessarily this individual season, even though that's what they say it is. Um, and and also, I mean, like Alfie Allen being nominated. Yeah, that'd be nice. I mean, that guy should have been nominated a long time ago um, because his his stuff on the show is incredible, but he's not one of the main characters on the show and he gets... He's not a Stark or a Lannister or Daenerys, and so he kind of always got overlooked. And, yeah, I mean, I think that's more of a legacy nomination, even though he was pretty good in season eight. Again, I mean, I don't think anybody, <laughs> if we're being honest, I don't think season eight was anybody's best work on this show. I don't know. I think it might have been Clark's. Season. Okay, yeah. right. But, I mean, but you see what I'm saying. I mean, it wasn't necessarily the any of their best works and maybe Clark's it was Clark's um but Maisie you know, Williams, maybe maybe Maisie but I mean most of them it's like yeah their their best work was in other seasons and multiple seasons I gotta like, say yeah. Sophie, Sophie Turner turned in a strong season too man I kind of think you're you're off on that <laughs> I do think Sophie Turner would give the best acceptance speech so that's a point in her favor um, but not a strong. They're like, who who will give the best acceptance speech? Let's let's <laughs> let them. Win. Pretty sure Sophie Turner would cry. I'm pretty sure Amelia Clark would give a funny one too. So uh, that's that's what I, if that's what I'm basing my choices on, that's why I pick. But let's just say this: if Gwendolyn Christie wins for supporting, uh, I, we're all we're all crying. Show. We're all we're all gonna be boohooing. Yeah, and and I'm glad you brought her up because we we should talk about that. I still am not really understanding why. Several of them nominated themselves. Oh my uh, god, that is so funny because I'm reading this Casey Bloys interview where he talks about the stuff, and he addresses that very thing. Let's see yeah. what he says now. Oh, uh, let's all see. right, breaking news, everybody. Uh, the real concern is that if too many again, it, it's it it's it, it's strategy because the Emmys are not about quality; it's about strategy. So are the Oscars, so are every award, whoever. Um, the real concern is that if too many names from one show submitted from consideration are nominated. They will cancel each other out. So they're strategic thinking. They cancel the ones that they think have the best chance. But of course, now that they're in, HBO is going to do a full marketing push for all of them. Yeah. Okay, so, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, what are, what are you saying makes sense? If, Like what you said, if there's four out of the six actresses, 
I could see some of the voters being like, well, you know what I mean? It and, will be pretty funny if Laura Linney ends up winning for Ozark over them. <laughs> I think that Jason Bateman has a chance to beat Kit Harrington. Oh, totally. Or, but, um, sorry, Julia Garner for Ozark, whatever. I mean, yeah, I don't, so, I don't think, I don't think Kit Harrington's going to win. No, I, I don't either. Um, it's I, nice that he's nominated. It, yeah. It's 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 like Dan said. It's a it's recognition for this you know series that changed the landscape of TV and did it in this huge sweeping way. You know, and that's that's why I think they picked up some of these additional noms in some places. Um, you know, that's why I think Kit Harrington got nominated is because of his overall body of work. It's kind of like, you know, John Wayne winning an Oscar for True Grit. And it's like, uh, but the problem is John Wayne was able to win because his category was fairly weak that year. And this year, I mean, you've got, I mean, for crying out loud, between Bob Odenkirk and Billy Porter, yeah. uh, those those are going to be those are going to be hard to beat. Um, I mean, Jason Bateman's a bit of a dark, dark horse. And then, and then the, the biggest thing is with This Is Us being a network show, the only network show, you have to wonder, like. Are they going to lean into those network shows? The networks still have a lot of right. pool in those in those in those places. And but... I've got th- I've got thoughts about this is us too. Like I don't, they're good. It's a good show. This is us is a good show, but it's emotional terrorism, and they lean into that fucking whole. <laughs> oh my my dad's dead. I'm going to cry now thing, and that's why it's, sad, it's sadness porn. Is what it is. It's sadness porn, yeah. Yeah, uh, but I, I'm I'm excited to see what they pick up. There are there are other individual nominations of people that I hope to see win, uh, you know, in certain categories and everything. But or or things that I hope don't win. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I think my I'm trying. To, I mean, I really want to see Mahershala Ali win for True Detective personally because I thought that it was yeah, it's pretty good. I thought that he he really carried that season. I was bummed out that uh, Stephen Dorff didn't get nominated as supporting, uh, considering some of the great scenes he had uh, in that series. But yeah, other than that, I don't really have any complaints overall. Didn't they submit? Didn't they submit Last of the Starks for best writing though? Yes, it is <sighs> nominated for best directing. Best oh okay then. It- yeah, that, that all three directors are nominated for best director. Again, half of the best directing categories are Game of Thrones episodes, and you know, again, it, it's not the ones that actually deserved it, but it's okay because that's not really what matters. Like, it's yeah. I still, I still don't understand why you can't. Why A Night of the Seven Kingdoms wasn't wasn't even put up for nomination? I can't understand the thought process behind that. It like, longer, it, break, it breaks maybe? it breaks my brain, honestly. I mean, I don't think it should. I think it's more that. It was probably longer. It, uh, Nine of Seven Kingdoms didn't have a dragon death, which is hard I, to correct. I, I mean, yeah, to, with it. to Dan's point, I've heard just from uh, more casual fans that they didn't necessarily like Last of the Starks because they felt, felt it was kind of slow and, and, and boring. You mean Nine of the Seven Kingdoms? Nine of the Seven Kingdoms, I'm sorry. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I think maybe, you know, Last of the Starks had the dragon death and and Missandei's death and all that. So coffee cup. Coffee cup. So maybe that's more flashy and that's what they want to put on there. Um, I, but I, to that argument, that I would say, why, but why wouldn't you put like the either the the bells or the season finale or the long night? I mean, even you know what I mean. Like those are even more 
like buzzworthy, I guess, or or popular or whatever you want to call it episode. So I was I was really kind of perplexed by they some are, of the episodes like, they put forth. The directing ones are The Long Night's Up, The Last of the Starks is up, and the and the series finale is up. Okay. Um again, those are like uh some of the more contentious episodes that are there, but it's not really about the episodes, it's about honoring the whole thing and getting something in there. And I like then, that I like that Carice Van Houten was uh, a guest I think she'll win that one, actually. I think Clark might pull off Best Actress, and I wouldn't be mad about it. Uh, Yeah, that'd be fun. Although she might lose, too. That's that's my comment. She may or may not win. I could could (laughs) see her winning. She definitely... Like like we said previously, she actually did act her ass off in the season, um, and obviously she was a focus of it compared to, to people like Harrington or or Heedy, um, but yeah, I, I, that'd be fun to see Clark win though, because I think she'd be like a a big bumbling, emotional, like <laughs> honest. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm going. Yeah, <laughs> like I feel like she'd be like, you know, doing the hand waving thing at her face and trying to figure her, out what her was going eyebrows on. would crawl off her face. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they would cut to Sophie Turner clapping and just sobbing in the. In the at, at one of the tables, it'd be great. Yeah, I, I hope they do win. I know season eight wasn't very good, but if we're if it is kind of a recognition of their work on the entire series, there's definitely some in, some very deserving actors and actresses um, on the show. So I kind of hope they do bring home a couple surprise wins here or there. Well, I mean, it's the same. It's the same with the Lord of the Rings movies. You know, the third one, Cleaned House. And I, I honestly think the third one might be the weakest of the three, but hard agree, it, hard agree. But still, it was it was good. Don't get me wrong, but it was just kind of overbloated and long. But it had a lot to tie up, and it was like at the time a trilogy of that scale, of that magnitude, and that that was that consistently good was like unheard of, yeah. especially in the fantasy genre. And so like they they just bombarded that third movie with nominations and wins and everything else. And, and it was kind of in recognition for Peter Jackson's and the cast and crew's like overall accomplishment, you know, and I feel like that's comparable to game of Thrones getting these 30 plus noms. Yeah, absolutely. I guess I I would, my last comment about the Emmys before we wrap this up, I would have liked to have seen, um, the last watch get some, some more noms than it did. It got like one nom for like, uh, music. I believe, um, you know, that that documentary helped tie up it. Like to me, it helped add to season eight. It helped tie up a bunch of things and it kind of shed the light on. Well, we've all enjoyed it. We've all talked about it before. It shed the light on things you don't normally see. And that's not something I mean, a big show normally does. I, I, I think I think that um, they they needed to nominate the episode of After the Watch where the one guy was like, Danny kind of forgot about the Iron Fleet. For me and- <laughs> yeah, or the or the missing making of the episode that is still somewhere bouncing around for the final the season. Mystery finale. missing making of that is around, and they just were like, "Nope, we're not going to air that." You and know what? <laughs> they must have said some really bad stuff on that making the episode, and I would pay a lot of money to see that. So I yeah. hope they charge you and get it. Oh, yeah. I would 
I would pay. I'm not kidding. I would pay money to see that final making the episode because it's I want probably to know. David and Dan just sitting back, getting drunk, talking shit about George Martin. Like, yeah, this guy wanted us to do this. What? <laughs> what an idiot! Seven more sense. seasons? Are you kidding me? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I like I said though. I hope they they end up getting a couple surprise wins here or there. Um, I, I know we. We didn't like season eight, you know, kind of overall, but I don't think any of us faulted the actor's effort, especially for the series as a whole. Um, so I'd love to see someone like Alfie Allen win um, or um, Amelia Clark or someone like that, because I think that would be a deserving win for some of their previous work. And I'd love to see them up there. I mean, when you say we, I kind of like season eight to an extent. I didn't like Last of the Starks. I didn't like um, that episode at all. But, you know, and I didn't like like things like Danny's abrupt hill turn. But everything else, kind of liked. So, I don't know. It was up there. I mean, whatever. It wasn't the strongest season. Right, and I, I guess that's what I'm saying. Even if we didn't necessarily all like it or dislike it, we can all agree it wasn't <laughs> the best season. I'm giving season. shit right now, man. No, but I'm saying, yeah, it wasn't the best season but that doesn't mean I, I, I don't hope someone like Alfie Allen doesn't bring home the win um, because his his acting throughout the series definitely deserves recognition. All right, so um, that's it for us tonight. We've talked about Dan's recap of Comic Thrones. We've talked about San Diego Comic-Con. we talked about Game of Thrones and the Emmys. Blood Moon, it's all going on right now at winneriscoming.net. Check us out over there. For more stories, more in-depth discussion, and for the latest breaking news, even though it might be three or four hours late on, Bro- on Blood Moon. Dan's mm. getting up now as we speak, I'm sure. So thanks for listening, for myself, for Corey Smith, Corey Phone, and Dan. We'll probably be back in a couple of weeks. We'll probably be talking things like theories that we really thought were going to happen but didn't happen. Um, those kind of fun topics. So uh, hit us up in the comments. Let us know what you would like us to talk about. And uh, thanks for listening to a lot more goodness. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.